I want to take the time that we have left together to dig into uh, this concept of thanksgiving, our thankfulness, but at the same time, pick up with the story of Moses that we've been sitting with. Now, again, we've spent a lot of time around the burning bush. We've been talking about Moses and how God, because so much of the, the beginning portion of the book of Exodus is about this, this interaction between God and Moses and how the Lord is trying to get Moses to respond and, and Moses keeps pushing back with all of his excuses why he's not God's guy and why he, he has to find somebody else. And so there's that you know, huge exchange that occurs. In the fourth chapter of Exodus, though, finally Moses, and this is where we left off last week, Moses kind of gives up and he says, all right, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I, I, I'm not going to win this fight. That's obvious. And uh, I concede. I'll go. I'll go back to Egypt, back to the place I ran away from, back to the place that represents so much of my past. I go back there and I'll do what you've asked me to do. I'll be your spokesman. At least I'll, I'll bring your word and I'll, I'll go back to the people and I'll tell them that this is the time that God wants to, them to be set free. Because remember, Israel is in bondage right now. They've grown into a, a huge population, but they've been enslaved. And they're a very integral part of the Egyptian economy at this time. The Pharaoh has no interest whatsoever uh, in letting Israel go. But God says to Moses, this is the time you need to go. The first thing I want you to do, and this is recorded at the end of chapter 4, says I want you to go and I want you to talk to the, the heads of the, of, the, of the nation, of the people. Get the leaders of the community, bring them together. Share with them what I've told you, how I've, how I've decided to reveal my power and what I'm about to do. Moses does that. That's the end of chapter 4. He tells them, you know what? He, he must have been impressed by, by what happens because they don't question that it's God. They all say, we recognize that God has spoken to you. And they bow down, it says, and they begin to worship God. They begin to worship God for this promise that was now being fulfilled of their deliverance. But the next step was to go talk to Pharaoh. That's what makes up predominant, the, the main amount, at least the opening part of chapter 5 of Exodus, is this conversation that Moses has with Pharaoh because he gets his people on board and then he says, okay, now the next step is you need to um, help me set up a meeting with Pharaoh. He goes back into the course that he hasn't been in for a long time. And he comes in looking far differently than when he left 40 years earlier. And he comes in with Aaron, and they come and they have an interview with a pharaoh. This is a pharaoh who has no knowledge of really Moses beyond anything that he's been told, a much younger man. And Moses begins to tell him something that initially must have caught him, uh, pharaoh, completely off guard because Mo he says, what would you like? You know, basically, they have this exchange. Moses says, listen, the Lord God of Israel has told me you need to let his people go. At least you need to let them go right now. And all we're asking right now is that you release them from their duties and from their work and allow them to go for three days and worship in the wilderness to honor God. They need to do this. Now, this is what the Lord requires. And, and then we see Pharaoh's response. And I'm just going to put this response, the, the summary of his response is in verse 2. Because it says that Pharaoh says to Moses, he says, look, okay, you're telling me the Lord God of Israel is telling you to tell me that I'm supposed to let your people go on a vacation, a work leave, basically. Um, he, he says this, I don't know who your Lord is. One more thing implied here. I really don't care who he is because he's not much of a God anyway. Have you noticed your people are enslaved by me. So your, your God is the God of slaves. I'm not that impressed. You know what your answer is? Your answer is no. 
And in fact, you know what? And, and we're told that it was, it was very forceful. In fact, so forceful, I think Moses was almost caught off guard by the level of intensity of Pharaoh's anger. What are you talking about? How dare you even come into my presence and ask for this? I mean, it was this, almost this, this contemptuous scorn uh, that he has for Moses and Aaron in this moment. And you can feel it in the pages of the scripture. Nor will I let Israel go. That's the last thing I'm doing. Who is your Lord? I don't care who he is. I don't know anything about him. And then Moses and Aaron say, well, look, we, and they, they appeal to his, his almost of, of his, his superstitious religious component to Pharaoh. And they say, look, we just need, this is part of the way we, we honor our God. And they, then Moses comes more soft. To that angry word, Moses and Aaron come, become more appealing. They say, would you please consider letting us go? And Pharaoh says, you know what? They'll never go. And in fact, I don't even, they're lazy. Your people are, in fact, you're lazy. You need, they need to get back to work. You need to get back to work. Get out of my presence, is basically what he says. Get out of here. You're lucky to be alive. Get, get out of this place. This is, this, and Moses leaves. And this was not expected. Not this level of ferocity and, and intensity on the part of Pharaoh. And so that happens, and then Moses, Moses is just, and, and on top of that, not only does Pharaoh reject, and I'm not going to talk too much about these details of chapter 5. We'll maybe approach that a little bit later. But one of the things that happens is, far from getting better, Pharaoh gets angry, and he, he decides that he's going to make it even worse. So Moses has to go back to his people, and he tell them, not only did I not get what I was asking for, but it's a lot worse and now Moses, and everybody's mad at Moses at this point. Pharaoh's angry with him. The people are mad at him. Uh, Moses goes back to God, and he says, what are you doing? Basically, how did you, this is the end of chapter 5. Lord, have you noticed? He's not more open. He's cl more closed than ever. He's not budging at all. That's what sets up chapter 6. That's what I'd like us to look at right here. Here's the narrative, verses 1 through 6, or 8. It says this, then, Pharaoh, then the Lord told Moses, look, now you're going to see. Moses says, he's not moving. He's not budging. Why'd you send me here in the first place? The Lord says, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord. Remember, we talked about that name and what it meant. I am the I am. I am the self-existent one, the first cause. Basically says this. He says, and I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And when I revealed myself to them, I, I called myself the El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh. He says, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, that promised land in Palestine today, where they will live as foreigners. We're living as foreigners. But you can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant, my promise that I have made with them. Therefore, you are to say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment, and I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has, been, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. And I will bring you, surely I will, into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. Now, that's what Moses is told. It's, pretty, it's a pretty intense moment. 
And it's designed to remind Moses that God is, <laughs> this, this is, Pharaoh may be mighty, but this, this thing is far from over, my friend. That's what he's saying. It will happen. It will happen. Now, there, again, the, the part of what I was hoping we would be able to do, and I, I believe this would, is part of what, what the Lord has for this service and, and how we're supposed to hear this word and interact with it, is under this sort of banner of reasons for thanksgiving, I would like to, to have us think about things that God has said to Israel that in reality he's saying to you and me and how this should enlarge our hearts towards him, especially as we enter into this week and sort of thinking about what it is we can be grateful and thankful for. And one of the things that we'll just start with is that we, are, we can be thankful because we have a Lord who longs to set us free. And that is so apparent, just like with Israel. He said to them, I don't want you to be in bondage anymore. And it's a reminder for you and I that, that you know, God does not want his people in captivity to things. That he really does have dimensions of freedom that he wants to work into our lives. And it's one thing to believe in Christ and to welcome into our lives and to believe it, you know, in God. And it's another thing to live in the freedom of the Lord. And one of the things that's going to happen, we're going to notice with Israel, especially for, for who they were and their past. Remember, they, have, they were an enslaved people. That affected them in their, as they moved into their future. Listen, one of the things that is going to become clear is that God could get them out of Egypt, but he had a harder time getting Egypt out of them. That there were things that they were hold, going to have a hard time getting past that would hold them back from moving forward with what the Lord had for them. And frequently, in our own life with God, we may be free, but there are things that, in Christ, but there are things that are hold, holding us back from really moving forward. A lot of those things are connected to our past. They're connected to experiences we've had. I was talking to someone. A lot of times they're connected to trust injuries that have occurred. Um, how much damage has been done by, by people who honestly were, were hypocritical and misrepresented the Lord. And um, I, it just, there are times where we've been really hurt. And I meet people all the time. I, it's happened to all of us at different times, but it doesn't change the fact that the Lord is the beautiful one who wants to do wonderful things in our own hearts and lives, and that there are many, many people who love God and serve him, and none of us get this thing completely right. We all fail at times. We all carry stuff from our past, our issues that we're struggling with that are present right now, going on in our lives. And those, there's a battle going on between the Lord working freedom in our lives and captivity, sort of wanting to hold us back and, and keep us bound up in things. And those things might show up in our attitudes. They might have to do with experiences that have affected us, but they really do hold us back from moving forward with God. So it's, it, you know, it's interesting to me because when Jesus started his ministry, one of the things that is clear is that you know, his public ministry, when he, starts his, when, he, when he makes his first step into public ministry, that the, a ministry that ultimately leads him to the cross and then to the resurrection, that that, that, that ministry began with him standing up and reading something in the, in the temple, in the, I mean, in the synagogue. And he read a portion of scripture from Isaiah 61, and that was, a, it was a, almost like the, his opening statement of what he had come to do. And I just, you know, I'll just put this up, we'll put this up there real quick, because from Isaiah 61, it's recorded in Luke 4, 
But Jesus basically opens up the scroll and he reads it. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Think about this. He says, he has, because he has anointed me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And then he goes on to say, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty, what? The captives. And, and, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And those, look at the connection, and, and then of course to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord, which was the year of Jubilee, the year of setting free from bondage and, and, and letting the debt be released. I mean, this is, the Lord is saying, I am bringing good news. God is in the, in the mode and in the mindset to set things free. But notice the two words, liberty, and what they're connected to. I mean, what he reads is, liberty speaks of freedom. It speaks of freedom from things. And liberty, from, he says, for the captives. The idea of setting free a captive. The idea of someone who's oppressed being liberated. This idea is what Jesus is, is saying, I have come to bring life. I have come to set people free from things as well, obviously from the law of sin and death, to give us a hope and a future and a, and a promise of life beyond this life. We get, I, get, I get that. I'm not minimizing that. But let us also hear the fact that Jesus does care deeply about how his children live out their faith in this life. Your kingdom come, what, on earth as it is in heaven, not just in heaven, on earth that means we become participants in the work of God. And so how do we do that without experiencing the freedom of Christ? The Lord wants to get at things in our lives so that we can move forward with him. There are things that hold us back. There are situations, experiences, things that we've compromised on that have deeply wounded us at a spiritual level. Some of us are still working through that. Part of thanksgiving is to remember that we have a Savior who loves us so much that he wants to see us be increasingly free in him. And that is something that we need to hold on to. But you know what else I realized is, is we looked at this passage, and I don't know, maybe it stood out to you in the same way, because obviously in verse 6 it says, I will free you, free you, right, from your oppression. But in verse 7 there's something also very beautiful, and it really does remind us of another promise, another reason for thanksgiving. Because in verse 7, he says, you know what? And I will claim, and tell them this, that I claim you as my own. And I thought, here's another reason for us to be thankful for. The Lord claims us as his own, and he wants to, to give us, he calls us into a place of promise. I mean, what a, what a beautiful gift. Now, I don't know which one of those means more to us. The promise of freedom so that we can contend to get past things in our lives that would define us and confine us and defeat us that we can welcome the presence of God into our lives so that we can be free. But look what the Lord is saying. Not only do I want you to be free from your oppression, Israel, I want you to know that this is how I see you. I see you as my own. I love you. I, you know what? And that's a beautiful, I claim you as my own. And some of us, we just need to remember that Jesus claims us as his own. We We've, we've welcomed him into our lives. God claims us as his own. He says, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And when we say that, when we accept that identity, it calls us then to live like sons and to live like daughters. It, he begins to call us into a place of intimacy and friendship and love. In other words, the Lord says, there is a place at the table for you. It has your name on it. Walk with me in this life because I love you. You know what? There are times where I get just thinking about saying, 
I love you to my son or to my daughter or to my daughters or my sons. It, there's a tenderness there. There's a real affection. It's genuine. It's real. You know what? God says the same thing. I love you. I, and you know what? We take that for granted. The terms used, it's in every song in the world. I know that. But at the same time, it's such a wonderful thing to be loved and to be loved by God. And the Lord says, look, whatever else you were, I claim you as my own. And not only do I claim you as my own, but I want to tell you something. I have a future. And I have a, a, a promise that I want you to claim, a land that I want to bring you into. So it's not just out of Egypt and a new identity. It's also I have a place of promise that I want you to move into. You see the progression? You see it out of see ourselves as into a place of promise. And I know this is true, that some of us have things that we feel God has put into our heart. They're legitimate requests. They're, they're, they're good things that we desire. And I felt like part of what we're supposed to say was some of us need to really stake a claim on the promise of God and really pray and believe into, the, into that with the spirit of thanksgiving and ask God to open up doors that right now look like they'll never open for us. You know, for Israel, it, it was inconceivable that they were going to be out of something and into something new. And yet, in a matter of a moment, God was going to turn this entire thing around. Who can say what God is about to do in our situations where we desire genuine breakthrough? Remember we talk about the breakdown that leads to the breakthrough that leads to the breakout. It has to do with God working in our lives, and sometimes things just open up. But they don't open up if we allow certain attitudes to define us. And, let, and in this passage, in fact, what I'd like us to do next is just read these final five verses. They're in the second column in the Exodus 6. And if you have your Bible, you can read it there. But it's right here in the handout, Exodus 6, 9 through 13. Because look what happens after the Lord says this to Moses. It says, so Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said. But look at this. It says they refused to listen anymore. It says they had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. And then the Lord said to Moses, I want you to go back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. I want you to tell him to let the people of Israel leave his country. But Lord, Moses objected, my own people won't listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? And then he says this, I'm such a clumsy speaker. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders for the Israelites and the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And in this passage, there are two clear things that stand out that we're going to call attitudes that inhibit the ability for us to move forward with the blessing of God. Two attitudes that if we yield to them and let them define us will keep us from moving forward with God. And one of them is so clearly stated in verse 9. Because it says that the people of Israel refused to listen anymore. Why? Because they had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Their situation. One of the things that will keep us from moving forward is a kind of spirit of discouragement that begins to define our life. It's so obvious here. I mean, one of the things that happens is that they could not receive the word that the Lord had for them. I mean, they were so beaten down. The word there, interesting enough, because of the brutality. They were, almost, they were beaten, they were brutalized to a point where all it took was a little bit of resistance and they gave up. They quit. It won't work. It'll never happen. It, it was amazing what discouragement can do. I was talking to someone, they said, you know what? When discouragement really is given place, over time it starts to turn into absolute despair. 
and despair becomes defining. And there is this sense that they were a people who lived brutalized by their situation. And so there, it was so, it, they, so powerful was this, this experience of theirs, so beaten down were they, that they were unable, listen, listen, to move forward with optimistic faith because of the adversity, the relentlessness, the kind of defeat experientially that they had, it precluded their ability to really believe God. So all it took was just a little bit of resistance and they gave up. And the Lord is saying, no, no, no. And Moses says, they'll never listen to me because they don't want to hear me. And it says, because they're so discouraged by the brutality of what they've experienced. And a lot of us struggle here. You know why? Because we do feel like God's calling us to things. And there are areas in our lives where we're feeling like we want to respond to. But, and there might be things we want to even believe for. But, but what happens is a lot of times we get so discouraged, so beaten down by our circumstances, our situations, by our experience, by our lack of strength or willpower. We talked about this last week, by our own inability that we basically allow um, our bondage, if I can put it that way, to define our boundaries. And we just quit, we give up. And one of the things the Lord wants to get at is to say, look, if you walk with me, you know what? Do not allow discouragement to define you. Be open. Let faith be alive. Let faith emerge. All it takes is a little seed, Jesus said. But just do not let that cloud settle in. In the name of the Lord, come and say, I will not allow this to define me. I was talking to someone in between the two services. They said to me that this situation had occurred, and they just couldn't get past it. They were feeling so discouraged about it. And we both laughed about it at the same time because it, it wouldn't have seemed like something that would have actually been a huge issue. And yet for, for the person who was sharing with me, I told him, I understand that. I really do. I felt that before as well. And there was something about it. It, it, just, it, just, it just won't let me go. It's just, defi- it's just sitting on me, and I can't get past it. I'm, filled, I'm so discouraged. I feel like a failure. And it was a really interesting exchange that occurred. A lot of times what will hold us back is discouragement. But you know what else? There's something else in, this, in that passage that we're showed that will keep us from moving forward. And it is revealed in that 12th verse. And it's revealed by the words of Moses himself. Because what does he say? The Lord says, look, you need to go back in there. And he says, you know, Lord, I can't do that. He goes, he goes, I, I, he goes my own people, no one listens to me anymore. Every, how can I? And if, if my own people won't listen to me, how can I expect Pharaoh to listen to me? And then he goes on and he says, and you know what, Lord, I'm just, a, I'm just a clumsy speaker. You know what he, a second thing that will hold us back is a lack of, of, of confidence that it focuses really on our own inability. Moses says, look, I can't do it. Almost like he's saying, Lord, I'm the guy. It's my fault. I'm the one. I don't have what it takes. I can't talk to people. They don't listen to me. I'm clumsy. I'm not good with words. The reason this isn't working is because I can't say it right. You see that? God, get somebody else. I told you. I told you I couldn't do it. You can feel it. I'm clumsy. I'm no good. You can feel it coming right out of the page. I don't speak right. I don't do it right. They don't want me. Pharaoh doesn't. I can't do this, Lord. Find somebody else. You know what the Lord says? Look, I will have none of that. No way. We are not conceding that point at all. Whatever else you think of yourself, let me tell you. Here's what you need to know, Moses. You need to do what I'm asking you to do because I'm telling you, this is ultimately not going to be about you. It's about me working with you. It's about what I'd will to do for your people. You need to trust me here. You need to be courageous here. You need to step forward and have faith here. Faith beyond even your own limitations and lack, which you say keep you from being able to do anything. Listen, you can. I say you can. You need to listen to me now. 
This is a powerful word from God. I, it, to, and you know what? When we think about that, one of the things that I was uh, just struck by was, you know what? Moses gets himself up and he does it. He does it. All right. And, and I'm reminded, I was thinking about another thing for us to be grateful for and thankful for. And that's for the people who've been willing to stand up and contend for our spiritual well-being in our lives. You know, I've met people who I greatly admired and who affected me in, one of the, in my own life with the Lord. And I, one of the things I've admired is that I, I know parts of their story that I knew it was not easy to do it God's way. I'm going to say this. None of us are here because of ourselves. Someone's prayed for us. Someone talked to us. Someone believed that God could work in our lives. Someone didn't give up on us. Some of us were prodigal sons and daughters. We've come home. Some of us drifted away into a far country, but we've come home. People never gave up. Some people kept praying. They sent prayers up into heaven. They've been praying. Generations before prayed. People, some people, uh, some of us were affected by someone who was willing to be courageous enough in the workplace to just share a little bit of their faith, talk about the Lord. Others of us have been affected by fathers and mothers, grandparents, uh, aunts, uncles, friends of the family, people who, you know, leaders, people who've affected them for good, for the Lord's ways. I mean, none of us here get here by ourselves. We're interconnected. We're a part of an ongoing story. And if we could see all the ways in which it all works together, it would amaze us. But what the thing is, it requires people to step forward. And and may we speak blessing, one, over the people who are willing to do that in our lives for us, but also just to say thank you, Lord, for who this person was to me. They may not be with us anymore. We may only have a memory and a hope of reunion. But you know what? We can say thank you, Lord. And Lord, on top of that, may that gratitude show up in my willingness to be that for others. May may I honor what was given to me by giving it back to others that you place in my life. May I be that kind of a person too. May I be, because Moses says, I can't do it. I'm not good. I don't have what it takes. Lord says, listen, you can. You can. And he does. Last thing I'll say, thank the Lord, and I mean this, thank the Lord that he doesn't allow us to take the easy way out. He keeps on us. Moses says, find somebody else, Lord. I don't have what it takes. God says, no, you need to do it. He keeps on him, and the Lord will keep on us too, and I'm thankful for that. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't doesn't let us off the hook. Some people say, that's you know, that's hard. No, that's, that's love. Love doesn't quit. It, it pursues us. It's this pursuing God that we have. Listen, the Lord, you know what else the Lord says to us? If we are willing, it, it, he, he, will, he will draw close to us if we will draw close to him. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. The Lord says this is not just about you doing it on your own. As we've noted, there are people in our lives, but also there is a very real presence. The Lord says, Moses, this is not about you or your skill set. At the end of the day, this is about me and what I want to do through you. You need to trust me here. Listen, the Lord wants to work in our lives. How grateful we should be for that. And he invites us to draw near to him and to stay close to him. And, you know, as we close the service out, we've got a song. And the lyrics aren't in the handout, but, but it's so obvious what, it, what we're trying to say with it is that the Lord calls us to a point of drawing close and leaning on him for where we think we can't do things 
and to trust him at levels that would otherwise we would be tempted to give up. And some of us, God is calling us to step forward at a new level of freedom with him in our lives and to start bearing some of the responsibility that he wants to place upon us. That it's time to honor a heritage. It's time to begin to embrace the promises that were prayed over our lives. And it's time to step forward and honor the Lord and be thankful and grateful for a God who never gives up, who gave everything for us. And he calls us to live for him, to love for him, to have a grateful heart and a willing spirit. So Lord, as we, as we bring this time uh, to its close and prepare to end the service with this song, which is really just a, in a way, Lord, we, we're thinking of it like your words to us. I just pray that as we, as we end the service that we would almost feel that it, that it would just be like you were speaking to us about, you know what, trust me, draw close to me, lean into me. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'd bless our, our closing minutes, bless our time of giving as we seek to honor you, many of us, in our tithes and our offerings. Pray that you would just be honored this week, Lord, that our hearts be light and grateful and faith-filled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, God. Amen. Amen.